0: So looked up the word Advent, (laughs) you know, I was never a Catholic. We never did. They don't do Advent in Baptist church. I don't even know why Pastor Moran was talking about it, (laughs) you know, and uh, that's for uh, some of the more, you know, uh, not common, (laughs) um, more denominational type churches. Yet we always do something. Do we have an Advent uh, calendar or something, you know? And so it's it's like people celebrated that probably knew more about it than I did or do. But I did look up the word. And it's a pretty cool word. And it, uh, it says something about uh, the introduction of a dignitary, of a great dignitary, of a coming king or something, you know. And it's that introduction that said something about sometimes that was a mystery before. In other words, it was a secret before. So it's like an announcement, a proclamation of the king coming, coming, king, when it never been, they didn't know that the king was coming. And so we have the king that's coming, is Jesus. So, that's my Christmas message. I have uh, experienced a few things in the Lord. And um, some people get scared by my talking about it. And, some, and I, that was one reason I, I thought I was going to get away with mentioning it. And then somebody asked me a question. And I was like, I better not plead the fifth. So I better just tell them. And they ought to know everything. And so I said, I've been having this, and there are reasons behind my being driven towards this, but I've been having this time of prayer with the Lord. And I've been going in the Word because without faith it's impossible to please God. But he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him that's Hebrews 11:6 and that's interesting because if you understand what he's saying there is a rewarder he's a rewarder of them that you know, you know what the reward is him he's the reward it kind of gives you a clue there when he says them that diligently seek him Diligently seek Him. You see, if you seek me, you shall find me in several areas of the scripture, especially Jeremiah. And so, by faith, I have believed in the word a number of scriptures I would apply. First, one of the first ones was if you are a Christian, You have been raised together with Christ and you are seated in him in heavenly places. And so I believe that I am. Is there more? Well, I believe the scriptures talk about more. I talk about how that there's an entrance through Christ. Whosoever should call on the name of the Lord shall be saved the name of the Lord is an entrance into the presence of Almighty God. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Lord and believe that God has raised him from the dead shall be saved. It says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. So I would call on the name of the Lord. It says in, in, in Hebrews that Jesus is our high priest. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, towards the end, It talks about because he is our high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He not only bore our sins on the cross, but he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. When I was at Bethel, uh, a man came over to prophesy over me, and that was out in California at a conference, Bethel Church. A man came over to me, and he's strong like Kermit is, you know. He's holding my arms, and I thought he was just going to completely lift me up off. We were both in, sitting, and he had to have an interpreter because he was a German. There were 27 countries that were part of this Bethel. And so he said, I had, he had a word for me, and he had an interpreter, and he spoke in German, and she spoke in English, and she said, he says, you're God's favorite. And my first inclination was to judge that word that that can't be. Because God has no favorites. He has no respecter of persons. While at the same time I was feeling like I had just been lifted up into the heavenlies. I wanted to believe that. But I couldn't because the scriptures says he's no respecter of persons. And so I continued to pursue with my journey with the Lord. And in the pursuit, I found out something, that we are all His favorites. Each and every believer is His favorite. I think I shared with you, I don't remember uh, last week or week before, how one time I was in the presence of the Lord talking, and not anybody can do this, You know, uh, you just believe. I was in the presence of the Lord, and it was especially wonderful. And I wanted to know Him, as Paul says, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And I was being kind of silly, and I asked him if God had a favorite color. And uh, he kind of like stared at me. And I said, do you have a favorite color? you have a favorite song? And I went through a list of about eight things. Halfway through, he says, where are you going with this? (laughs) As if God doesn't know everything, you know. And I said, I just want to get to know you better. And I I know it's small talk, but I I just want to know everything about you. And he says, well, okay, I do. I have a favorite color. I have a favorite song. And he goes down all the way to the list. And I was like, could have blown me over with a feather, I think, because I didn't think God would have a favorite color. He is every color. He is light. He, light has every color in it. And so he says to me, I do have a favorite color. And I asked him, I said, well, what is it? And he says, It's you. And at that time, I almost completely lost it. And he went on to say, you're my favorite color, Don. You're my favorite song. You're my favorite. All the way down. I even had cars in there like, you have a favorite car? He says, you're my favorite car. And I was so taken back, I didn't know what to do. And he says, every one of my children are my favorites. (laughs) Every one of my children is my favorite. You are God's favorite song. You are God's favorite color. And then he went on to say, I'm not doing anything else. You're, you're all I'm doing. You, you're you it. I'm not doing anything else but you. That's why it says in Psalm 139, he has thoughts toward us. And Jeremiah Twenty-nine says beautiful thoughts, good thoughts. But he has thoughts that are cannot be counted, are like the sands and the stars, and it's cannot good thoughts toward you. God is thinking about you every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week. My first thought when he told me that. That all, I, all he thinks about is me. And again, you. How, well, can God have you as his favorite? Yeah, he's God. He can do that. There's a place in him that's reserved entirely for you. And nobody else can fill that. You know, I always had God tell me that the song where it says, nobody else can touch my heart like you do, singing to God. God said, same to you, buddy. Nobody else can touch my heart like you do. Same to you. And so that is one of those experiences. I also had other experiences where I showed my love for him. That's my number one goal. This is one of the things that I said you can do this. The number one goal, vision, to do this is to love God. With all your heart, mind, body, soul, spirit, emotions, intellect—if you go into His presence and love Him with all that you have—if i that, that, am not—I'm say, not saying I've achieved that. I'm just saying that's my goal. You know, I sing. You know, Peg brought up with the songs. I—I—I I, uh, I don't think every song is evil. I mean that is not Christian, you know, and uh th- ones that uh even ones that well i don't i don't like songs that i I know are evil, but even love songs, I'll just change them up for myself, and I do that, you know and i and I sang to God, and i you know there's a Dylan song, I don't even know what the verses are, they're too. Flighty for me. If you're I, and I was a Dylan fan. But there's a there's a song which is the chorus, is all it's very simple. He says, I want you. I want you. I want you so bad. <laughs> and I it's saying that to Lord, I want you. I want you so bad. I want you. I want you. I want you. You know, but not like Not like the meatloaf song says, I want you, I need you, but I can never love you. But two out of three ain't bad. Oh, my goodness. What a horrible song. Can you imagine that? I want you. I need you. But I'll never love you. But two out of three ain't bad. No, it ain't good enough for God. I'll tell you that much. I want him. I need him. And I love him with all my heart. That is what my purpose is, is to go into his presence and love him, worship him. It says to come into his presence with humility, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you. So you don't go in there flashing around, you know, in the presence of the Lord, you're not going to make it in there. You go into the presence of the Lord with humility. You humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. You bow your knee to Jesus Christ. That's what he says someday. In that same section, it says, Whosoever confesses that Jesus is Lord and whosoever uh, believes that he's been raised from the dead, he shall be saved. And then he says, For every knee will bow. So it's it's, it's, metaphorically, but it's you bow. Worship means to lay, as Isaiah did, face down. So you bow your knee and you confess the lordship of Jesus Christ. And you say, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and I want to run into it and find safety. I want to go into his presence. I hunger for that. I starve for that. I want it more than anything else. And I can tell you that for me, and this, it, I, I'm not, you, you have your own experience with the Lord. Maybe you've had this. But the psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? And being with you, I desire nothing on earth. Nothing on earth. This kind of experience for me is when you're in His presence, nothing else matters. You don't, You think that all the riches that this world can give you is not worth one minute in the presence of the Lord. One minute is worth more than all this world can give you. I wouldn't trade a minute in the presence of the Lord for a a cherry 57 Thunderbird. And if there's anything I'm going to lust after, that'd be it. There's a few others cars. <laughs> so you go into the presence, and when you're in those presences, it's like, you know, now I understand other people have died and gone to heaven and saw how beautiful it was and said, I want to stay. That's not my experience. My experience is I can't take my eyes off of Jesus. I don't even know what heaven looks like. My experience is that I can't take my eyes off my heavenly father. And I told my father, my father in heaven, I said, if I die and I go to heaven talking about some beautiful place and I don't have you, I don't want it. You can talk about the. 12 pearls of the gates that are 12 pearls and the gold that is transparent so pure you can see through it and all these other beautiful things about heaven if i don't have the presence of the lord i don't even want it i want you i don't want your heaven now you understand what i'm saying i do want to go i want to be in heaven but i don't want it without him The psalmist said, seek ye my face. I sought his face and I touched him. Other protocols, you come in by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, we have a high priest that's touched with our feeling of our infirmities that intercedes on our behalf. Therefore, with Jesus as our high priest, we can boldly come into the holy of holies and find grace to help in time of need, Hebrews four sixteen. Another place, another place in Hebrews where it says you can come in boldly into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus Christ, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. Some of the blood, some of the animals were burned. It was called a burnt offering. David said when he had sinned with Bathsheba, he said to God, purge me with hyssop. Purge means with fire. When you receive the Holy Ghost and fire, that was a purging through Jesus Christ because that's where he went. He was burned with your sin. And so we go before his presence boldly, not pridefully. Boldly, because my faith and trust is in Jesus' precious blood. But because I've been washed in the blood, I have a garment. A royal garment, it says in 1 First, uh, First Peter 2.9. It says, we are a holy nation. A peculiar people means a, a people of his own. A royal priesthood. The word royal means kingly. We have kingly garments... And it's white as snow, and because we are wearing kingly garments, we can be have the ex, the scepter. Talks about that in Hebrews, the scepter of thy comes from Psalms. The scepter of thy kingdom is the right scepter, because thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, even thy God, has. Humbled thee and brought thee before Him with the scepter of righteousness. It actually says what Jesus is talking about, what Jesus did for us. So He's He was made sin that knew no sin with my sin. That I am made the righteousness of God in Him. You know the verse of scripture, the Lord's Prayer. I just learned something. You can learn. <laughs> listen, I just like it. What I don't know is way beyond what I know. But I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He is able to keep my commitment unto Him against that day. So, you know, the 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 robes of righteousness are royal robes because I've been washed in the blood. Are you washed? Do you believe it? Do you believe that you have been made the righteousness of God in him? You know, my, one of my absolute favorite scriptures is uh, 2 Timothy 1.9. And it says how God has saved us. He saved us first. Called us. Called us second. Not with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Thank God. Not according to our works, but according to his grace and purpose. Now I'm going to get to the grace and purpose, which was given to us. All of that saved you, called you, grace, purpose was given to you before the world was created. I have, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I have the right. Well, maybe that's not the right word. You don't seek your rights. I don't go in God looking for something. Go into presence. Well, you can, but your initial purpose, that first purpose, where it says we have a holy. Uh, purpose that was given to us before the world began that purpose is to love God with all your heart mind body soul and spirit in the old testament that's said three times that's the first commandment and it also says in one say it says to serve God so you go in there to serve him not for him to serve you oh he will He says, "Has he he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? But the first thing is, is to love him. That's my purpose in life. You were created by God to love him with all your heart, mind, body, soul, emotions, intellect, thinking, thoughts. That's what you, that's what God made you for. And for many times, I have to admit that I was not living that experience. Then he says, love your neighbor as yourself, which means you're going to come back. But you can't love your neighbor as much as you love God. You can't love them more. And you can't even love them equal to what you love God. If you, you know, in order to love your neighbor, you have to love them with the love of God. You cannot love your neighbor in a way that you don't know. Paul says that I may know him. See, God God wants you to know him. You can know him from studying his word. This may be a dangerous thing to play with, because I'll tell you, you you need to know his word. You need to know his word. You need to know what is right and what is not right. And you go into his presence to get to know him. You cannot love, I can't love you with the way Adam loves you unless I know him. And then be conformed to the image of his son. Hello? So I'm gonna get sent back. Not particularly that's the part of, the hardest part for me is like, I don't want to go back. You know. And it's not because heaven's so great and this is so bad. Be- no, it's because I don't want to love you. I'm, I'm getting there though. Okay, now I have had several experiences with this, with in, in the presence of the Lord. One of the things that's happened to me as I get into the presence of the Lord and, you know, my memories come back to me like amazing. And he begins to show me every time I hurt somebody. Now, he's not condemning me. You know it says? Therefore, there is no now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You know what that word condemnation means? Damnable. It means damned to hell. There certainly is godly conviction, and there certainly is godly sorrow. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. And I start getting a, a myriad, a, a, a flashing of people that I have hurt. And most of them, I can ne- it can't be undone. I can never find them. I don't even know where they are. I don't even know the names of some of them. Then I start praying for them. Lord, heal them. Heal the hurt that I've caused. I've already gone through, you know, the Bible says, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mountain, in the Lord's Prayer, If you forgive not men their trespasses. Forgive us as we trespass against men. You can't can't do what I'm talking about if you have ought against anybody. That's not saying I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying it, it cripples you from going in there. God isn't crippling you. Your sin is, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, first of all, you don't understand the love of God at all. Because what you've been forgiven is way beyond anything somebody else has forgiven that has done to you. It's, it's, it's it just, it's, when you begin to know God, you just, you can't keep from forgiving people. I mean, you don't even. Have a, a temptation. Then you, then you start, it's not enough to forgive somebody when they've hurt you. You got to pray for them too. You got to pray God heal them. That's another thing. You can't go into the presence of God. If I regard iniquity in my heart, Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Again, mainly because it's not like getting upset with me. It's just that I'm crippling myself. Now, another thing that I had learned is you'll never understand how great God's love is until you understand how great his anger is. You know, I remember, and I've shared this, Tim Keller said that he had trouble believing in hell. Me too. It's hard to imagine anybody burning in hell. And the only reason I accept it is because it's in the Word. And I'm not going to contradict or not believe the Word. But a friend, a mentor of Kim Keller, says, "Until you understand the 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 reality of hell, you'll never understand the level of God's love for you." And I, even then, I had a little trouble with it. How is that understanding God's love? And then I realized when I said, "I had this experience with the Lord." and I was studying stuff and that has some effect on you and you know I want to tell you it's just like when I have it it's sometimes like dreams I want to say visions because Pastor Norm we was with Pastor Bruce McArdle and Norm said he has visions I said, that's not fair I have dreams you don't even get it do you? your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall have visions. I said, you're 10 years older than I am. It's not fair that you have visions and I have dreams. You can't be the young man in this. Both Bruce Bruce and I was right on the same page with that. Just kidding, you know. I have visions and I have dreams. Whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. I'm serious. I don't know whether I'm in the body or out of the body. I'm just in never, never land, if you would. And I had this one experience where I was taken up into the heavenlies. It was like a dream that I was having. And I all of a sudden, I was inside of God, the Father. And then I would be inside the Son, and I would be inside myself. And I was like play-acting all of these parts while simultaneously experiencing them. You know this song? I love some of the old songs. New songs are good too. Don Francisco. You know the song, Adam, Where Are You? You know that song? How many of you have heard that song? Oh. Well, the first verse is very simple. I pray that I don't mess it up. Unashamed and naked in a garden that had never seen the rain. Rulers of a kingdom full of joy, never marred by any pain. The morning all around them seemed to celebrate the life they had just begun. And in the majesty of innocence, the king and queen comes walking in the sun. But the master of deception begins with his dissection of the word. And with all his craft and subtlety, the serpent twists the simple truth they had heard. While hanging in the balance is a world that had been placed at their command. And when all her unborn children die, as both of them bow down to Satan's hand. And just before the evening in the cool of the day. They hear the voice of God as He is walking, but they can't abide His presence, so they try to hide away, and still they hear the sound is He is calling, Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, where are you? you just got to get a picture. I got the picture. I never quite understood. God is a jealous God. We have, as a people, rejected him, turned him away. He came unto his own, Jesus said. His own received him not. We have rejected him. We have turned him away. We have not loved him. And I see that and I see God and in all in all His glory standing down, looking on mankind. And I heard the words, "Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin." You know what that means? Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. It's in the fifth chapter of Daniel. It was after Nebuchadnezzar died and Belshazzar was the king. He was having this great big party he was using the goblets from that they stole from Israel and there was the writing on the wall mene mene tekel a parson which is kind of interesting because mene mene in the Persian uh, language are are like two quantities of money from 60 to 70 would be like mene mene would be like if you were to say one dozen, two dozen and then a parson or uh, tell is like a, a form of money, or, or shekels. And, and then it, what, you, what you're saying is, you know, one dozen coins, two dozen coins, with the shekel, shekels. But a parson means divided. What it ultimately means is, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And I heard God say that about the whole world. We have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Now, I experienced the anger of God towards this world to the point where he is so close to just wiping us out and starting all over. But he doesn't. Because, see, before the foundation of the world, he was talking to Jesus, his son, and saying, we're going to make man. They're going to hate us. They're going to reject us. They're going to turn away from us. They're not going to receive us. And the only way that we can save them is you have to go and die for them. And Jesus says, I will. I will. And he gets sent to the earth. Now, I don't take this as thus saith the Lord, or even scriptural, but this is what I experienced. As God, of course, I'm bringing my humanity into it, I believe, I wanted to change my mind. Well, in some ways it's scriptural because he told Moses one time he repents, which means he changes his mind. I repent for what I uh, was going to save Israel. I want to wipe them out. Moses intercedes on their behalf. And he says, I am so angry with mankind. I don't want you, my son, to die for them. Kind of like in reverse of so when the, the Lord said, if this could pass from me, uh, Lord, uh, may it be so. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And Jesus says, we, no, we, we, this is the plan. Now, what I'm driving at is God is an angry God. It's like Jonathan, uh, Edwards' uh, sermon about, the sinners in the hand of an angry god and he hates sin and we we don't quite get it because if you got it you'd understand just how much god's love is great too because it was his love that drove him to save us to be made sin to turn his back on his son when Jesus was made sin so if you're getting kind of scary if it's getting too scary for you just think God uh, the father very angry God pours out all his anger on his son Woo, wow wow that's what God's done for me how, how could I not love him for that Somebody ran into a fire and pulled your, you or one of your children out and saved them. How, would you love them? That's nothing compared to what God has done for us. Nothing. Do you understand? And I saw this battling going on and I experienced the anger of God. And then I saw the love of God. It's like Tim Keller says, they are so full of sin that I have to die for them. But I love them so much, I'm glad to die for them. (laughs) Beyond comprehension. I don't know. I, I, I believe there is biblical reason uh, to, to go before with your petitions and so forth. But I I just like to go before him and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I worship you. I praise you. I love you. I want to love you. I want you. I want you so bad. <laughs> I want you. I want to know you, I want to touch you, I want to see your face. The Lord said to me, seek ye my face. Your face, Lord, will I seek, Psalm 27. One thing, one thing, one thing I ask for. And that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One thing. Do you understand it? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. I thank you so much that you love us so much. You're beautiful. That's all. You're so beautiful, Lord. You have made us beautiful. You gave us beauty for ashes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. With your eyes but close, I just want you to think of one thing more. If we burned every single tree in the world for the purpose of having a burnt offering as a sacrifice to God, and we sacrificed every animal on the face of the earth as a burnt as a, a sacrifice to God, it wouldn't be anywhere near enough. But God, Jesus. One drop of his blood was greater than all the sacrifices that have ever been. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.